Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas, and welcome back to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and Ashley. Um, <laughs> I was going to say my middle name almost, my Martha Sadie. What's your middle name again? Is it Lee? Um, Rose. It's it's the most popular 90s middle name. Marie. Um, Marie. Yep. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. For a second, I was like, and what's your first name again? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm literally losing it. Um, well, Ashley Marie, I'm so glad to um, be seeing your beautiful face. Um, it's a little rainy where I am today. How about you? Same. It's a little rainy. It's kind of the perfect fall day today. It's been good. It truly is. It truly is. And at any moment, a dishwasher will be in my home. At any moment. <laughs> That's a good day. That's a good mail day. It is. Because let me tell you, washing dishes by hand, I could probably like suture something or make a tourniquet I could deal with it all that I will make my own butter but if I had to go back in time and wash my own dishes I would jump off a cliff so anyway <laughs> back at it well mamas thanks for for listening to us check in I like to think of you all as friends so so we appreciate you chit-chatting with us and checking in as you know on the podcast we get to interview incredible experts from the fields of obstetrics and neonatology and maternal mental health and sometimes we have the unique pleasure of speaking with wonderful moms from around the world just like just like you and today we're getting the second part to Taylor Coachman's story um Taylor welcome back we're so glad that you're here thanks ladies glad how did you here. feel after we recorded your part 1 we just did that um, yesterday so I am not an emotional human being. I don't cry a lot, despite what we witnessed yesterday. Um, right. I, my friends say that I have a black soul. Um, <laughs> so I kind of was like, you know, when you like get into it sometimes and then you like can't get out of it, like the rest of your day is just going to be an emotional day. Right. Yeah. I was just mm -hmm. like my heart on my sleeve all day. I was like, oh, look at the right. sun. It's so pretty. Right. And then you were like watching videos. playing. Yeah. Yeah. Like videos of YouTube of, of like um, dogs greeting service yeah. people when they return home from a deployment. Stop. I cannot deal with that. I mean, I, I love babies and dogs. So like anytime like there's a, like some sort of reuniting. Right. Mm -hmm. I like, I can't handle it. Yeah. But I like went down a deep dive of Milo pictures and videos. Yeah. His birthday is also coming up this weekend. And it's just wild, especially like everything we've been through to see what he looks like at times. And then like to see him like doing things like so big and like blow kisses and like crawling around. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, cool. so I was a, I was a puddle yesterday. <laughs> A giant puddle. So amazing. Yeah. I can't believe his birthday is this weekend. How are you feeling leading up to his birthday? Um, I wonder 
like if all of us feel this way that have gone through a NICU stay, like you feel such joy and such pride that you're hitting this giant quote normal baby milestone. Mm -hmm. But also it makes me think about like all all that time that we lost essentially like six and a half months of him being in the hospital saying goodbye to him every day. And like, you know, you see your friends on social media that have like those snuggly baby moments, Mm -hmm. like those first couple of weeks where they're just like napping on your chest. And Mm -hmm. like, we really did not do that at all. Um, And now he's like this fidgety big boy that like doesn't want to be like snuggled and, and held. So I get a little bit emotional about that right. leading up to his birthday of yeah. what we lost, but trying to focus on everything that we gained because of it and um, everything special about him now. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I'm so it's hard. Totally. Nor- I mean, I, to- I agree what you say. It's a totally normal experience to have literally all feelings. And then some moments yeah. like, I feel nothing. Time right. to eat an entire can of right. Nutella. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't just buy the two giant tubs of Nutella from Costco today. <laughs> Essentials. Essentials. It's, it's for Milo. Yeah, right. It's for his birthday. Yeah. That's baby lead weaning. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I have no idea how baby lead weaning works. Please don't come at me. I don't know. I assume it's with Nutella. I think if it's not, it should be. Right. That would get anyone off of any type of bottle is by giving them a spoonful of Nutella. Martha led weaning, am I right? (laughs) Okay, sorry. Squirrel. Where did we leave off with our dear friend Taylor? Well, here, let me just really quick do – what did you say? Did you say anything about this episode when I was gone? No, we did a lot of chit chatting. Sorry, <laughs> you know, you know how it gets when I'm at the yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I know the three of us could talk all day, which is fun. Um, <clears throat> well, mamas, if you haven't tuned in to last week's episode, um, we did part one of Taylor and Milo's sneaky journey together, and part one was all about Taylor's pregnancy with Milo, his delivery his first couple weeks or months into his NICU journey. And we are about to dive into part two. And to give a little sneak peek, there's a lot more to come. But in this episode, we we had the opportunity to talk with Taylor as well about what it was like for her to have a kiddo at home while having a child in the NICU, which we know is something that many of you have experienced, as well as what healing looked like for both her and her husband post-NICU. And so um, this episode is jam-packed. If you haven't listened to episode one, we will link it in the show notes. But if you are returning to part two, thanks so much for being here. And Taylor, thanks for coming back. Thanks, ladies. So I think we left off with um, Milo was getting into his, um, as we called it, uh, and then this happened moment. (laughs) Right. So we'll just kind of let you lead um, from where we left off and, you know, kind of tell us a little bit more about his nickname. Yeah. So um, after the second lumbar puncture and the blood transfusions, he went on to experience a bunch of what we called Milo fevers, where he would just like get these random fevers dramatically whenever he was supposed to like go down for a test or have like a procedure he would like spike a fever and then they would have to like cancel things so we found out in january um that his 
fistula in his esophagus was still persistent after third repair. So they decided that because they had been um, in there surgically so many times that the best course of action would to be watch and wait, which I don't know why to me that's so much harder, you know, just like Mm -hmm. waiting to see if something's going to happen. It could have been two weeks. It could be six months. We had no idea how long it was going to take. So luckily he started kind of um, slowly improving after that. And our next goal would be for the fistula to close and for him to be healthy enough to um, undergo his open heart surgery to repair his VSD. So we uh, went up to the CCU they wanted to like get to know him a little bit and uh, run tests in the CCU before he had his surgery. So we were there a couple of days and we were scheduled to have his big surgery. And John and I, you know, you move mountains to get Charlie situated and uh, babysitting, school pickup, all that. We were going to spend the night so that we could be with Milo um, at the hospital. And that morning, Milo spiked another fever. Just barely for like 20 minutes, but enough to cancel his surgery Mm. um, for, I think we waited a week after that, which Mm. was crazy. Um, So he, of course, was fine after that. He didn't have another fever and it was like a 20 minute fever. It was literally (laughs) nothing, but that was hard for us because that was like, we had known all along that he was going to need to have this open heart surgery, like my entire pregnancy and the entire time we were in the NICU, we were like leading up to this big surgery. So to have it postponed was like just the most emotional thing in the world. And then I had to go on and uh, record the Kelly Clarkson show two hours yes. later. I didn't realize that was while oh you were waiting God. for the heart that, surgery. That day. They told me it was canceled. And then, and Milo, like if you guys have seen him on social media is like always smiling, always happy. Like even when he was in the hospital and sick, like he was just such a good baby. And they tell me that the surgery is canceled. I'm like insanely crying. I had to call all of our family members to tell them that the surgery wasn't happening, like change all of our plans. Um, And then Milo's like, having a meltdown and like standing and bouncing and like for three hours we're like checking sound and like doing all that stuff um and then it's like five minutes to go and he is losing his mind like one of those crazy meltdowns like where they're not breathing and the producer's like are you gonna be able to get this baby to calm down and i was like i don't even know how to calm him down he never cries right and they're like three two one and he just goes and stops crying (laughs) (laughs) what an entertainer yeah Yeah. he turned it on um and so we did it and he was fine then the rest of the week and we were able to do his heart surgery and he did amazing our surgeon was incredible he came out and he was doing so well uh they actually sent us back down to the NICU I think three days post-op because he was doing so well which is like wild to me after having open heart surgery and it was like he was a new baby he wasn't vomiting anymore um Mm. he just like looked incredible they took him off all these medications like he was just just doing phenomenal and so then after that um we just they didn't want to put a g-tube 
in until he had been on and off TPN the entire time. He was, he had some bouts of aspiration and aspiration pneumonia. So uh, it really wasn't safe to feed him. So we knew we were, we were going towards a G tube. He had an NG and we thought we were going to go home with that, but they, and come back for uh, the G tube surgery. Mm. And he did like pretty good after that. Yeah. So after, and I'm sorry if I completely missed this, but did he have the esophagus repair or did that kind of? So they told us um, in February, February. So February 11th, they told us that the leak was finally closed. They had been doing esophagrams every couple of weeks to check on things. And so his first repair was October. October 19th. Uh, His second repair was December 21st and February 11th. We found out that it was finally closed. Wow. So you didn't have to have a third procedure. It just, we didn't have to have a fourth procedure. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is just wild. So how many months had Milo been in the, or how many days when he had the open heart surgery, and then you found out, like, okay, the esophagus is ready to go. It's time for the um, Hmm. So he – we left at six and a half months. At five months, he had the G-tube placed. Okay. Wait, no. At six months, he had the G-tube placed because two weeks later, we went home. Two weeks later. They were like, you're going to stay for another month, and two weeks later – Oh my goodness. Yeah. So maybe this is a good point or part to then chat just about some of Milo's triumphs because I mean, his whole NICU stay is one big triumph, really. Like when you zoom really out is. and you see all that he endured and who he is today and how he's living. But, you know, what were some of his big, like big moments in the NICU? He had a couple of like very, very cool moments. My absolute favorite that makes me so emotional was. <laughs> Um, so he had had his third repair and he was on the vent for a long time Mm -hmm. after that. Um, and they, on January 2nd was John's birthday and we were planning to go to my parents' lake house for like 20 hours or something like that. So we like wouldn't miss a day of visiting him, but we're able to like spend some time with Charlie sledding and doing some Mm -hmm. fun things as a family. Um, And they warned us, they're like, listen, we're going to take him off the vent. He is probably gonna be super agitated coming off of this. He's had this in, you know, in him for a month and a couple weeks. Uh, So like, don't be alarmed. And it might sound really weird. And we're like, okay, like, do we want to be in the room when this happens? So we decided we were going to stay in there and they take him off the vent and he literally smiles Mm. like does not make a peep he just smiles up at his nurse his primary nurse and then like looks around and sees that we're in there and he like smiles at us Mm. and it was crazy yeah and just like such a peek into who he is as a person yeah it was amazing um so that was that was super super special moment um, and like a little birthday present for John. He couldn't wear clothes at that point because um, he still had his chest tube in. He didn't get that taken out until uh, February. So I like laid the shirt that I had made over <sighs> him and it said, happy birthday, daddy. And oh we have this goodness. incredible picture of him like 
literally just pulled the vent out and he's like smiling and he has this shirt like laying on top of him and it was so cool. Oh I was so goodness. proud of him. It's like he was looking at you and saying like, mom, I got this. I'm like, look, right. I got this. Like, I'm good. For sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And so um, a couple other highlights of our stay were um, when, when he finally got his chest tube taken out and um, before that, when I was like finally able to hold him after surgery, I think it was like 20 something, 15 days or something like that. Um, and, uh, when we were in the CCU, they approved a one-time only like backhaul sneak Charlie in visit for Charlie to meet oh. Milo. Yeah. So oh, that was goodness. incredible. We have this like little video of them like laying together in a chair I mean, we had been waiting for that moment for Charlie to to meet her sibling uh, for so long. Um, So seeing them interact together in the hospital was so cool. And they're like wearing like little matching outfits. They like, they approved it. And like, I already had these outfits on standby. Thank goodness, because I'm crazy. Um, So we like showed up the next day and they're like, how did you already have matching outfits for this when this was approved like eight hours ago? And I was like, it's fine. Don't ask questions. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Some other fun things. We had this room that the window faced first our room faced the the roof of the parking garage and then later it faced Michigan Avenue in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I had this giant sign that my dad had made that said free Milo. Uh, so, so we would have like family members like would visit and take pictures of like the free Milo sign. Oh. Um, like, cause no one could like be there with us. So that was right. really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dressed it as the Easter bunny on Easter. <laughs> of course you did. And like hopped down the hall and like waved to kids in the hospital and then like took pictures with Milo because he couldn't go see the Easter Bunny. Uh, <laughs> and then later my sister drove us down Michigan Avenue with like with my head out the window wearing the <laughs> Easter Bunny costume. We need to, in the um, blog post, we need to include a picture of you as the Easter Bunny. That's a necessity. Uh, it's, it's so ridiculous. I think my, our nurses, like, actually thought it was clinically insane. Between, like, the murder podcast playing through the speaker and, like, me dressing up as the Easter Bunny, they are like, this girl is sick in the head. <laughs> um, and we dressed him up as a little old man for his 100th day. Um, and just... My sister, they approved my sister to come visit uh, or to be like our third person. They like kind of loosened the COVID restrictions at one point and allowed every family to have like a third person on the list to visit. Mm. And so when my sister was able to come Mm. and meet him, it was so crazy. Like you, the whole fun part about having a newborn is like sharing them with the world. Yeah. And so, like, to not be able to do that for so long yeah. uh, was, like, so hard. We had this special boy that was, like, a miracle to us and, yeah. like, was overcoming all these odds. And, like, I wanted that, like, Simba on Pride Rock, yeah. hold him in the air yeah. moment. Yeah. And they let my sister come in. I was like, this oh. is this is your nephew. This is my baby. Yeah. And it was just, like, a fun, normal right. moment. And we celebrated every month. Yeah. We celebrated like his milestone. Like we would bring in snacks for the nurses, like cupcakes or donuts and coffee and stuff and like try to make it like a little, you know, party yeah. for him. And we celebrated with Charlie at home every time. Mm. And, and that was special. Well, and I wonder too if this is a good place to talk about Charlie because 
you know, that's one area we haven't touched on yet is just yeah how it was for you to parent Charlie at home and also Milo in the NICU, but also, you know, what it was like for Charlie and, you know, yeah. how she navigated it. And so I wonder if you'd be willing to just share of, you know, that whole experience for you. Girl, it is <laughs> not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is hard. Um, I felt like we were always – like every morning I would wake up and I was like shot out of a cannon. It was like, let's, let's get Charlie set up. I'm getting her to school. Um, a routine in my mind was like one thing that I really wanted to focus on Mm -hmm. for kids. I think routine is just like such an important thing. So as soon as we knew that there was something going on with Milo and we weren't sure how our life was going to look, um, her preschool decided that they were not going to open in the fall because of COVID. So Mm. I, right away found another preschool that was going to be in person. I was just like, I, I need this girl to have a routine no matter what her life is going to look like after Milo was born. So, um, that was super important to us. And I think for Charlie and I tried to just like set a schedule in my head. Like I drove her to school every day. My mom picked her up from school every day and would bring her home. And I tried to leave the NICU by one o'clock every day so that I could be home to play with her for a little bit, give her her special attention. Um, Cause I didn't work after she was born for the most part. I freelanced a little bit but for the most part I was home. Um, so she was used to having me all the time to herself right. for right. four years. So um, I tried to be really respectful of that. She was having a really hard time. We had just come out of like hiding in our homes in COVID. Right. And so then to have me, essentially taken away from her um, was super hard for her because she knew exactly what was going on. She's not a two-year-old. You know, she's four years old and she knew that mommy was leaving every day to go spend time with another child. Um, And so that was super hard for her. And John was trying to not visit Milo during the week so that he could, after work, be home with Charlie and we could put her to sleep. And there were days that we couldn't do it, but we tried to stick to that. And our hospitals were absolutely incredible. Child life specialists are Mm -hmm. incredible human beings. They did such a great job. They sent home little cards and Mm -hmm. gifts for her from her baby brother. Um, Yeah, they arranged, there was a play center in the hospital of our second hospital in Chicago. And they let her come uh, like every other week. We would all as a family go downtown and we would like try to make it fun, like pick up donuts and um, hang out in the hospital. One of us would stay with her in the playroom while the other went up and saw Milo. And then we would like switch. So we both got to see Milo, but also got to play with Charlie. Um, And that was super special for us. We had been go, go, going for so long once we got to that hospital and like had never been like in the same building right? Uh, together. So to like have that special, like on Saturdays, go down together and, and play and have fun. Um, Charlie just loved that. Yeah. And of course, like milked it. Like she would dress as Elsa <laughs> and like wave to everyone that passed by. And yes. like by the end of it, like knew the names of the people that worked there and was like, George is my best friend to her friends at school. And everyone's like, who's George? Uh, he works at Lurie Children's Hospital. Um, and we tried to be like really inclusive with her, like in the things that we did with my, like when we would call every night to like get our update on how Milo was doing, she would 
say like, hi, this is Charlie. Our password oh. is Charlie. Can I, <laughs> how's my brother doing tonight? Um, and so our nurses were like so amazing and special, you know, dealing with that. They've got a million things going on and they would talk to her and they, even sometimes they would put her on speakerphone so she could like talk to Milo. Oh. Uh, and he would like, you know, make little babbles back sometimes when he got <laughs> older, which was so cute. And he had in his room, we had this mobile. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but you can put like a picture of your family on it and then like record your voices into it. So we recorded like Charlie singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star to him. So that made her feel like really special and included. But it was hard for her, you know, and it, it got harder the longer it went on. Just this constant like she felt shuffled around, you know. At one point, it was winter break for her from school. So then she was home and that got really complicated with like trying to figure out how we were going to visit. So we like, you know, wrote out the schedule. There was babysitters, John's mom, my mom, my sister. We made it work. But I think she she was feeling it at that point. Mm-hmm. Like she was being shuffled from house to house after for months, us pretty much being remote in our home for COVID. So... Mm-hmm. You know, time heals everything. Children are resilient. So even though like it was super, super hard, um, she's doing so well now and mm. um, is being like better and better and better. I, I, when we came home, she said the words to me. I was like, Milo's coming home tomorrow. And she was like, uh, I thought he lived at the hospital. Right? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, mommy didn't do a very good job explaining things. <laughs> But that's okay. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have, I mean, the the heart of it was you're as intent, you were as intentional as you could be, right? Mm -hmm. But then you gave yourself and Charlie and everybody a lot of grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard. And it's, it's hard on your soul. Yeah. I've just felt like when I was with Milo, I, the entire time I was like, I hope Charlie's okay. I hope Mm -hmm. pickup went okay. I hope, you know, I like feel guilty for being here with him and I'm emotional that I'm not supporting her. And then when I was with Charlie, I was like, "Ugh, why am I not like, especially on like on, during times when he was not doing well, I'm like right. how am I not sitting there all day with him, like mm-hmm. holding him and telling him it's okay. And right. I just had to remind myself that when, when I wasn't with Charlie, she was in the best of hands. Mm-hmm. And when I wasn't with Milo, he was absolutely in the best of hands. Our nurses were absolutely incredible. And I mean, I wouldn't have survived without them. And we're so mm-hmm. grateful because I, I did have full confidence that he was okay when I wasn't mm-hmm. there. And I think that would have been a lot harder if we didn't have our primary nurse and uh, yeah. other nurses that we really trusted and, and loved checking up on him. Yeah, definitely. Mm. No, that's so good. And I hope to any of the mamas listening that we're in a situation similar to Taylor where you have older kids at home and in the NICU that you are and you did the best that you could. You know, I think it's hard to sometimes confront our humanity (laughs) and and realize like I can't be everything at the same time, but I can be who I am right now and that's enough. And so and everyone chooses a different route yes. and that's okay. Like some people are like, I need to stay with my baby that's in the NICU. They need all of my attention. My, my other child is older and like knows and whatever. And that's 
your journey. That's your route. And that's the right route for you. And some people say that they need to spend more time with the older child because of their reasoning. Like Mm -hmm. there is no right answer when you have one child in the hospital and other children at home, you have to do what's right for you and you have to make a decision and you just have to trust that you have support and you know, it's, it's what's best for you and your family. I'm going to do something. Ooh. Um, okay. I'm going to do something off cuff (laughs) (laughs) because one of the other ways that we connected with you, Taylor, was because you wrote a letter for, um, our mamas (laughs) and you wrote a letter all about this. And it was the first in the Oh, it was so <laughs> emotional writing that letter. And I'm sitting in the same place I was sitting when I wrote it. So I'm going to read it. And I'm already crying, Ugh. re-looking at it. But it was our first submission, I remember it, that addressed this duality so well. And um, so totally off cuff, I'm going to read it. And we're all going to be a mess. But here we go. Okay. Dear NICU Mama, you can celebrate the new memories with your children at home and still grieve the absence of your NICU baby who is not able to be a part of those memories. You can be in the moment with your other children and still long for your NICU baby. You can smile and laugh watching your healthy older children enjoy the magic of the holidays and cry that your NICU baby isn't there to be a part of that joy. Sometimes having a baby in the NICU feels like your world has stopped spinning while everyone else continues on with theirs. It's okay to feel that way. Having a baby in the NICU when you have other children at home is a strange feeling. Your life can feel compartmentalized and time may feel like it is standing still while at the hospital. You may feel unable to move forward until you bring your sweet baby home, but time can't stand still at home because you are someone else's mama too who expects fun and also needs your love. You can have an amazing day with your older children and then cry because your NICU baby is not a part of the memories you're making, but don't feel guilty, mama. It's okay to enjoy life. Your baby will be home with their siblings soon and your family will be complete. Until then, keep living your life, keep being there for your NICU baby, and don't ever stop enjoying life with their siblings. You've got this, mama. Love, Taylor. That's good. It's really, really good. It's real good. You guys, that day, so writing that was like just giving myself everything that I needed to say to myself. That When I wrote that, that was right before Christmas, right when we had transferred hospitals, right when he was about to have his third repair and he was doing not well. And Mm -hmm. we went to this Christmas tree farm together and we had this incredibly magical day like the weather was perfect the sun was shining the birds were chirping um it was just like perfect we picked out a christmas tree together john was having like a really good mental health day i was good but like milo wasn't there and your heart feels like Mm -hmm. it's not whole but you also are so happy and oh so many emotions (laughs) right now ashley but no i remember when we got your submission carla messaged me immediately and she's like oh my gosh like we have to publish this letter because you address this duality so beautifully and i think it rings true still today of like 
you know, you, you gave moms and you gave yourself in that moment too permission to to enjoy the moments that you have right in front of you. You know, yeah. even if they if they even if they don't include all of the people that you would hope to in that exact moment, like it's okay to be present and to enjoy those moments. And so yeah, so that was totally off cuff, but I'm glad that we read that little letter there. Dang, girl. <laughs> that was sneaky. Um, Literally also, sobbing. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. Um, Taylor, you make such a – you're such a wonderful contributor to this community, and, I mean, that letter just really sums it all up. Um, you know, I think, again, your story is so complex and so big, and there's so many parts of it that – we've not heard, you know, represented on the podcast before. And one of the elements of your story, I think, is is about your discharge from the hospital and and when Milo came home. You went through all these ups and downs. Could you talk a little bit about what coming home looked like for you and your family? Yeah. So I mentioned before that originally we thought that this was going to be, first of all, we thought we weren't going to be in the NICU. Then we were like, okay, two weeks. He's going to have the surgery. He is going to crush it. And we're going to be home in time for Thanksgiving. And then we were like, Christmas, you know, all these times we thought we were going to be able to go home and it just didn't happen. So going home was terrifying for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I kept on being like, okay, the first rule about discharge is nobody talks about discharge. I actually had <laughs> a doctor that. kicked off of our service because like I mentally couldn't handle that. He kept on bringing up when we would go home. He would be like, I think Milo's going to come home in two weeks. It'd be like, Milo still has a chest tube in his side. Can you <laughs> not like give me that false hope so that I constantly have this like up and down of emotion? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, he did so well post cardiac surgery, like shockingly well that we were like, okay, he's going to come home pretty soon. Um, This was in the beginning of March. So he had his NG tube still in and wasn't, you know, doing enough with his feeds. They were training me on, he pulled out his NG like all day. He was a magician. He could have his hands like handcuffed behind his back and his feet tied together. And he'd be like, shake my head, watch this. Um, So, uh, you know, we did our CPR training and I did the NG replacement training. They got Charlie, a little teddy bear that had an NG too, so that she was like prepared for him to come home. Oh my God. It was, she named it Marshmallow. We had like a visit at the Ronald McDonald house and she like carried this doll all over Chicago, this bear. Um, and she was like ready to change an NG tube and like hook up the feeds. (laughs) They got her like a kangaroo bag and like we were ready to go. So then they were like, they had told us that it had to be a month post uh, cardiac surgery uh, that he would be able to have his G-tube placed. So uh, we were going to go home and then come back for G-tube. And then they came and um, they said he's probably doing so well that we could do the G-tube surgery pretty soon. And you guys... um, We'll stay a little bit longer, but he'll get to go home and stay home, not have to like come back. At this point, John mentally was just not doing well. Uh, we were six months in at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a long time. During a pandemic, we weren't seeing people. John wasn't going into the office. He was like holed up in my sister's childhood room in my parents' house uh, every day working from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
um, and he was coping by drinking, and it was awful. So we sat down, my parents, John's mom, uh, John's sponsor, he was like trying to handle things by going to AA meetings and doing therapy. And uh, we told him that he, I mean, we said, do you think you need to go to rehab? Milo is coming home very soon. It is not going to be less stressful when that happens. We're coming home with a medically complex child. He is going to be feeding with a feeding tube. He is going to, I mean, this is not going to get easier. Um, And I don't know that your mental health can handle this. Mm-hmm. So thank God, thank my husband that he was able to hear that. And he, I mean, he had a choice. He chose to go to rehab and, and get help <clears throat> mentally. And it saved all of us. <clears throat> it was hard. He, he knew that he was going to miss, most likely miss Milo coming home. And it broke his heart and it broke my heart. But also, it allowed him to come home and be the dad that he is uh, and to be the husband that he is and Mm -hmm. to fully be a part of life because he did that. Yeah. So John left. Poor Charlie. Milo did really good. I mean, the end of our NICU stay was amazing i mean they brought they gave us a corner this giant corner room and they put this like big play mat down and milo was like rolling around not like roll, fully rolling yet but like back and forth he'd had that chest tube in so long he was like kind of you know delayed physically i would put movies on and like we had these like fun moments together and my sister was allowed to visit at that point mm-hmm. i was like i don't know why but i I really isolated myself with what what John was going through because I felt like it was his story to tell. And I also felt this irrational fear that the social worker would, like, tell the police that my husband was having substance abuse issues and they were going to, like, take my children away. It was, like, so irrational. So I didn't tell any of the nurses, any of the doctors. I told them that John was traveling for business, and I think they probably – knew something was going on. I don't know. Uh, Maybe not. Um, But we inched closer and he had um, G2 placement surgery. He had his CERC finally. Um, And he uh, had um, an endoscopy and an esophagram and a dilation like all in one day. and they're like, it'll probably be a couple, don't count on going home right away after having the G-tube placement. So I was like, all right, maybe like another month. But no, we, I think we were only there like another two weeks after that. And wow. he did incredible. And I was so scared of telling anyone that he was being discharged because mm-hmm. I did not want to jinx it. Mm-hmm. Um, I played tennis in college and I was like so superstitious that I would like wear the same socks for every match so I was like I was so superstitious like surrounding this discharge that I like didn't want to bring in the car seat I didn't want to tell anyone I didn't pack up his room until 
I signed the discharge papers. We had been there six and a half months, ladies. I, I like, I had so much, I had like a mama roo. I had piano <laughs> play mats. I had like decorations, picture frames. Oh my and gosh. they were like, you're, you're leaving today. Like, how are you going to do that? Um, <laughs> you have all this stuff. And uh, in Chicago uh, and that garage, people park there for three different hospitals and Michigan Avenue shopping. I very frequently had to like climb through my trunk to get into my car. Cause it was like such a jam packed garage. Oh, no. um, so it was like kind of a hot mess. Um, <laughs> but I finally got to have my moment walking into that hospital with an empty car seat, mm. um, which like, I don't know if other moms, Nikki moms feel that way. Like an empty car seat to me is like such a symbolic thing. Like every time I see oh, one, yeah. it, I like get so emotional. Like I was dying to bring in an empty car seat. Every time I saw someone walking with an empty car seat, I was like clapping and like blowing them mm, kisses. Yeah. Um, so no one knew we were going home. And then we ended up, I ended up running into a family friend in the lobby at Dunkin' Donuts. And I was like carrying all this stuff. And she's like, are you going home today? And I, and I like, I couldn't even say the words, but um, we finally got discharged. My mm. sister drove home with me and Milo that day. Uh, of course, in Chicago traffic, um, and we made it home, and it was beautiful, um, but also not the discharge day I thought it was going to be because my husband wasn't there, um, and I hurt for him, and I hurt for Charlie and Milo and myself, and it was really, really beautiful and happy, but like so sad. Yeah. My heart, my heart breaks for you hearing that just because you're such a, I just, every, every glimmer of love and joy that you can get, you deserve Taylor. So oh, I know that's so hard. Thank you. I echo what Martha said. And I think it takes a great deal of courage for both you and John to be willing to share that and be so vulnerable. And so also give John our greatest thanks because um, we receive many messages from mom saying my husband is struggling this is really hard. This is not how I envisioned starting our parenting journey with our child together. Um, and there have been substance abuse emails too of my husband's in rehab. My husband is struggling with addiction. And so um, we are just so grateful for you normalizing this on this episode today. And we hope if there's any NICU mamas listening whose husbands are struggling with substance abuse that you know that you're not alone. Um, and I wonder, Taylor, if you would have any words of encouragement for other moms listening who find themselves in a similar position, um, what word of hope or love would you give them that are listening? Yeah. First, I just want to thank John. Um, yeah. When you guys reached out and asked if I would share my story, I felt very conflicted because it's my story, but it's also John's story. Yes. And that sobriety and your sobriety journey is like such a personal thing. And I didn't want to take that from him. That's his mm -hmm. story. And if he wasn't, you know, ready or in his, a place in his sobriety where, um, he was willing to share, then I wouldn't have done it. But he echoed like what you were just saying. There's so many people out there that experience something similar to what we've gone through. And I, if this can reach one person, uh, and give them hope, I, I mean, that means the world to our family. Yeah. Um, it's mental health is not something to be ashamed of. If you struggle addiction, I, I've never been more proud of my husband and 
and mm-hmm. thought of him as so strong as the day that he left mm-hmm. the day that he d- made that choice for himself and for our family to, to better himself. And, um, Amen. you know, it is amazing that he did that, you know, trust your gut. If you know that your partner is struggling in some way, you know, reach out to him, her reach out to family members and know that you are absolutely not alone. Other people are going through something Mm -hmm. um, and you can get help. And John came home and he's able to be an incredible dad to our kids before it because of it. Yes. He missed out on two weeks of Milo being home at first, but guess what? Because he did that, he's able to be there for the rest of our kids' lives, for the rest Mm -hmm. of our lives. It saved our marriage. You know, Mm -hmm. John and I have been together for a long time. I've struggled with mental health myself on and off my entire life. I've been on medication for it. I'm currently not, but if I ever feel the need, I will go back on again. And John was there for me. And this was his time that he needed mm-hmm. help. And I'm happy that I was able to be there for him. And I'm happy that he was willing mm-hmm. to get help because it's not easy and not yes. everyone does it. Um, so I just am so proud of him for his strength and his bravery. And yes, things no. can be okay. Yes. They're awful and it's gut wrenching, but he's doing so well. He is going to be seven months sober. Mm. Um, and he is such a good dad, Mm. such a good husband. And I'm so proud of him. Yeah. Amen. That's so so good. Hang in there, mamas. Yes. We admire you both so much. And I think the thing that it really highlights is that, um, and you mentioned this before, I can't remember if we just talked about it before or on here, but the, the idea that, um, you and your partner are going to oscillate who who is going to be the yes who's going to pick up the weight who's going to help carry the yeah. knapsack right or whatever when you're going up the metaphorical mountain um right and and that's exactly it's not it all is. sunshine and butterflies all the time for both people all day every day you know i'm going to have struggles some days other days john's going to have struggles i'm thankful that i was able to keep my mental health in check enough throughout our NICU's, you know, journey that I could support John and he could be the, you know, the one not doing well. Um, and that he's been that person for me at other times. And sometimes you're both not doing well and it's really hard, but I'm thankful that we were able to get through it. Well, Taylor and John, um, thank you so much for being willing again to share Milo's story and your story and both of your personal experiences and journeys of Milo's NICU journey. And Charlie, too. Thanks, Charlie, for letting us share your brother's and your parents' story and your story. Um, but, Mamas, we just hope that you feel affirmed and um, and seen throughout this episode, especially, again, for our pandemic NICU mamas, our NICU mamas who have multiples and who had kiddos at home, and also for those mamas listening whose husbands are struggling. Um, we hope that no matter where you are in your journey right now, we hope that you feel seen and heard and loved and really are just reminded that you are not alone. 
And so um, we're just so grateful to share this space with you. We're so honored to be able to share the stories of remarkable mothers like Taylor and yourselves. And we just really are grateful to know you. So we hope that you have an amazing rest of your week. And um, we can't wait to catch you guys back next week. So have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood. 